I don't know. I think there's a very fine line between appropriation and appreciation. And I think when little blonde kids wear t-shirts and sunglasses and find even more veiled ways to mask uh, the N-word in uh, pop songs. <laughs> what N-word? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Color Correspondence, the official podcast of Full Metal Workshop. I'm Jonah Q, also called John. And I'm Ben Holbrook. Brandon Phillips. Alright guys, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, considering the world is a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah, I'm <laughs> doing okay. Yeah. Wait, wait, what's going on? <laughs> oh, which thing are you talking about? Which yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you knew this, John, but a, a shitload of uh, neo-Nazis and Klan members marched in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia recently. But what, about three days ago? Mm-hmm. Was it three days? Uh, I thought it was like four or five. Maybe it was four days ago. But uh, on their way through, they, uh, as, as anyone could guess, caused a shitload of violence and mayhem. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy even committed a fucking act of terrorism, but so far isn't being charged for terrorism. Wait, um, is he? Is he? Is he brown? No, no, no. Of course not. Then he's not going to get charged for terrorism. You have that's you got to be brown to be charged for terrorism. Come on, guys. That's right. That's a racially specific crime. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When you have the the president completely, you know, on your side, that yeah. really that really gives you an added advantage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as predicted. I mean, I don't know why at this point anybody is surprised or enraged by Trump's responses to anything. Because it's like, it's like, motherfucker, you know he's a racist. You know he <laughs> hangs out with white supremacists in his cabinet. Like, why would you expect him to say anything other than the, the weak, lukewarm shit that he said? I'm not going to lie. All right, so this, you know, after the whole initial statement that he made... Um, which was like, you know, obviously, uh, chastised for the right reasons. And then he comes out and does some type of like bullshit. Like on Monday, he's like, yes, of course, uh, we must hate the races or, you know, and then like on that press Did conference. Did he say the races or the race? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He did give a bit of a wink and a nudge after he said that. So I might uh, No, but like. That press conference on Tuesday was the funniest fucking thing I've seen all year. That I shit haven't ma- even seen it. I haven't seen it either. Actually. I lost it. Oh my god! Like, because at this point you're right. Like, it's not really that surprising at all. But like, the fact that he's like not even fucking hiding it anymore, and yeah. like he just kept getting upset. Like. <laughs> like anytime they ask him, he comes out and he's like, "Look, here's my, I've got an infrastructure plan. So, uh, any questions about the infrastructure plan?" And they're like, "Are you a racist?" He's like, "Listen, <laughs> I'm not going to answer these questions, okay? But are you a racist? Are are do you not like? Do you hate racists? Uh, listen, um, I'm not. I'm <laughs> and then he's he just goes under this like ridiculous like. You know, I don't have to really talk about it. Everybody's, like, heard of it or seen it by now. But, like, oh, my God. I started cracking up. The dude was just, like, had no fucking semblance of, like, trying to even hide that he supported the Nazis and the white supremacists. Well, like, at this point, it's it's pretty much out in the open because um, not only did he slip up and say we when he was referring to the alt-right, 
but um, he either today or yesterday uh, tweeted about. So um, for anybody who doesn't know, after this happened, uh, Baltimore actually overnight like covertly removed all of its Confederate monuments, just mm. gone overnight, mm. which is awesome. <laughs> just do that shit. Yeah, Don't tell anybody you're doing it. Just do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and and Trump tweeted the next day. And if you really want to know how the president feels, just read his fucking Twitter. Right. Um, and he was talking about basically like how sad it is that all of these beautiful monuments are being removed because it's such an important part of history. Definitely speaking to his fucking racist ass base. And... Um, and he was like, there's nothing that they can be replaced with that compares to them. And and the only thing I could tweet back was like, man, this motherfucker's having trouble trying to figure out, like, what to replace Confederate monuments with. Well, you can replace them with monuments of abolitionists or Oprah. Or like <laughs> anything. You did can... he say that it was that it's hard to find something to replace it that's of equal value or, like, as equally as shitty? Because there are plenty of things we can put up there that are equally, <laughs> equally as shitty. shitty. Yeah, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, statue of the vice president. He sucks. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good one. But yeah, it's it's been a really. Uh, Do you think he literally meant that the monuments were beautiful, as in like they were made of like a beautiful stone? This is what he said: the beauty that is being taken out of our cities, towns, and parks will be greatly missed and never able to be comparably replaced. <laughs> I, I just think that he needs. I don't think he even knows what, like, what it necessarily stands for, except for that, like, white people are mad about it, so he should be too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What white people are mad? Oh shit! I'm about to get on that Twitter. <laughs> no shit about the Civil War. Like, he probably isn't really sure what happened. Right. I mean, exactly. last time we checked, yeah. he still thought Frederick Douglass was alive. <laughs> right. And exactly. doing a great job. Oh, man, I <laughs> so. forgot about that, man. That was so long ago, like in in Trump years. Right? He's only <laughs> been in office for he's been in office less than a year and it feels like he's been there for 15. But like, let's be real though. Like there are a couple of things I want to bring up here. One, um even though it's shitty and we've seen like a lot of these bigots get emboldened, um I've seen a lot of people that I did not expect, like, within even my social circle. Like, by social circle, I mean, like, people that I don't really interact with that are Facebook friends. Um, come out and, like, denounce this, like, completely. Like, specifically. Like, the president. Um, or whatever. Um, God, it throw up in my mouth every time I say that. Um... You know, they denounced Trump, they denounced white supremacy, they said this is only, like, one fucking side to this. It's very interesting to see that, like, it's just, um, uh, I didn't expect it, because I guess I've just been, just like I'm sure you guys have, been conditioned to really, like, expect the worst these days. Um, especially when it comes to, like, reactions from people. Um. Well, when it turns into extremism. Yeah. Like, when neo-Nazis, like, when Nazis come out, you have to choose a side. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can either be associated with the Nazis or you can be like, OK, the jig is up. Like, I get it now. I fucked up. Like, <laughs> I'm going to myself from this and join the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can be like, all right, I'm just going to I'm going to sip the Nazi Kool-Aid and jump right on oh in. It's got to be like the easiest decision to make, though. Like, how could that be? 
Like, who sits... I mean, obviously, we know who, but, like, who... Who, tried, <laughs> who like, is presented with that and is just like, hmm... You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Should I... Part, side with the Nazis? Or all those colored people? <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys... And, like, even, like, publications and a lot of just different, like... Fox News has gone on and, like... Most of their, like, correspondents have denounced the hell out of Trump, specifically. Well, like, at a certain point, like, regardless of how good of a friend you are, you're still a media company, and, like, there has to be a limit, and obviously this is it, where they're just like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) now we we gotta, yeah, we're not gonna gonna do that. And we know that Fox News is is a shitty institution, like, they're, they're really... Not only are they bad journalists, but they're just kind of bad people. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, even like the bad people, like Rupert Murdoch, the owner of News Corp, you know, he, God, he's a piece of shit. He yeah. he's even been telling Trump apparently, like, you need to fire Steve Bannon. Fire Steve Bannon. Fire fucking Steve Bannon. Fire him. Fire him. Fire him. Fire like, like, like do you is... think he's doing this because and cause cause this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um do you think he's doing this because um because he's like, well, this is bad, you know, Nazis are bad, and, and racists are bad, and um, nationalism is bad. Or do you think he's doing it because it looks bad, and it's in the, it's not a secret anymore? It's not kept under wraps? Because the way, I mean, honestly, this I, I view the election of Trump as the result of Fox News. Yeah, of course. And their relentless yeah. pursuit of making, A, everything Obama did, like, a negative thing and demonizing all Democrats, but also just, like, the way that they frame every story centered around people of color. Like, I, I feel like it's just a PR issue. And because they're so heavily associated with Trump and the Republican Party, like, they're like, please don't let this entire ship go down. Um, because everybody knows we're a bunch of fucking racists. Right. Like, fire Steve Bannon and at least, like, keep playing the game. Yeah, I, think, sure. I don't think they're particularly worried about, like, I mean, like, I'm sure Rupert Murdoch is just like, I mean, sure, Trump, we both love the Nazis. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, there comes a time when we both need to say, like, in the in public that we don't love the Nazis, you know? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that sentiment. I don't. I think Rupert Murdoch and Fox News are just horrible people, whether they hate Nazis genuinely or not. Like, that's not the only, like, trait that horrible people carry. Um, but, like, whether or not, like, this is genuine or they're being pressured, the fact is, like, they, like, him calling for Steve Bannon to be fired means that they're at the very least acknowledging, like, uh the pressure that they're feeling from, like, a good number of people in the country. Like, obviously this is, there's still a problem. Obviously the bigots are still emboldened. But I feel like the more and more these extremists are outed, like, the more people are just getting to a point where they're just, like, they're hitting that wall. They're hitting, they're they're crossing that line of, like, how how much more can I rationalize this shit? Or at the very, or, like, stay complacent about it, you know? Yeah. Well, like, the more you rationalize it, the more you talk yourself into circles and the more, like, a fucking racist you sound, you know? Exactly. Like, anybody who tries to make an argument for, you know, any type of, like, heritage, not hate, is just, like, 
it's a heritage of hate. Like that's what you're talking about, you know? Right. It's yeah. A, it's it's an like anti-progress, issue. you know? Yeah. It's, and that's, that's what we're experiencing now is like an anti-progressive movement. Um, I have a, a weird question, but isn't, wasn't nationalism a, a good thing at one point? No. Like, I, I, it was, has it always had a negative connotation? Yes. I was under the impression that it was like no. national pride, but no. that's, it's always had that same ne- negative connotation. Yeah, national pride is bad. Always, yeah, nationalism has always been, um, and let's like be real, America, especially in recent years, has has kind of kept and maintained uh, a semi-nationalist uh, mentality. Like, before, I think, the 50s and, like, McCarthyism and all that shit, the kids didn't have to do the Pledge of Allegiance in school. Like, nobody knew the fucking Pledge of Allegiance. Um, flags weren't flown every fucking where. Um, and, you know, like, the whole Confederate flag thing, that that was also a result of the Civil Rights Movement. Most yeah. places flying Confederate flags or putting up Confederate monuments until the Civil Rights Movement, mm. when it was like, and it was, it was a protest against uh, integrating. And so I think recently it's become more, I guess, more overt. But, I mean, let's be real. There are the amount of, and like, it's a great flag, sure, but the amount of flags that you see everywhere as if you need to be reminded where you are. Right. Um, the hatred of people from other countries for no reason. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's always had a negative connotation because it means that you are um, valuing... Your, your values are, are misplaced. Got it. Yep. Yeah, it's because it's all about where you're from, but it's not about anything else. Well, nationalism in this, and particularly in America, has always been about like being contrarian. Or, or like antagonizing uh, civil rights or a progressive group. It's always been about that. Or you know what I mean? Like whether it's like antagonizing or manipulating like people to hate people from other countries so we can go to war with them. Or you know um, have them be skeptical about motherfuckers uh, who are minorities. Like uh, or sorry, I shouldn't really call them minorities at this point. I mean like a couple of years down the road, and we're running this shit anyway. Uh, so. Um, um, but well, like, actually, um, huh? our Hispanic population will be running this shit, so you better learn Despacito. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> get on that, man. <laughs> I'm alright with that. I am okay with that. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, did it's... Guys, did you guys happen to catch the cover of uh, The New Yorker that's coming out? No, like, what's I think it it's like? tomorrow. It's Trump on a sailboat, and he's blowing wind on a sail, and the sail looks like a KKK hood. Got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dumb. he's not he uh, the uh, the Twitter uh, um, moment headline about that is called President Trump probably won't like next week's news stance. Yeah, yeah, he probably won't. The Economist so, like, has. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was say it's like a a bittersweet thing because it's like it's great to see shit like that, but also like why is it has it come to the point where. Trump, Donald Trump is on like every other cover of the New Yorker. <laughs> you know, like that's just like yeah. it sucks. Like, I'm like, oh, it's really funny, but fuck, man, get out of here. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, you know, they elected him. There's another so. one that he's, um, he's spe- like the economist where he's, uh, speaking into a megaphone and the megaphone is a KKK hood. 
<laughs> and, and um, you know, the the next next week's issue of Time is uh, it's just this like it's an American flag. Somebody draped over an American flag and also doing a, a Nazi salute. It's called Hate in America. Um, I think that's like these are really powerful representation. I know, like again, the nationalist crowd is going to be very upset about that, but um, I think it's like very important to see. What are they? Like, I don't think they're going to be upset about it. I think that all of the attention that they're getting is only good for them. They they thrive. I'm not talking about the white nationalists. I'm talking about just, like, people who are nationalists. Like, who are just, like, heavy into, like, the patriotism movement or something. Um, You know, they'll be, like, very... They get very upset whenever you associate, like... In their words, a few extremists with all of America, even though uh, much of the foundation of this country has been uh, rooted in racism... Um, obviously we know about the slavery thing. We also know about, like, the only fucking reason we went into World War II was not to help Jewish people dying, but because those, uh, those dirty Japanese, you know, they got us, and then we had to put them all in internment camps, and then we bring in immigrants because we need our workforce, uh, you know, to really, uh, exponentially grow, but the second, like, we start realizing that there are a lot of immigrants here, we start antagonizing them, and then... You know, yeah. using them as scapegoats. Yeah. At some point, I mean, I sent you uh, a recording of my dad talking about growing up black in Mississippi in, like, the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, maybe we'll share some of it on this podcast, because it is really, really fascinating. Yeah, no, uh, I haven't even heard it. I would like to hear that. Yeah, I'll, he, send, I'll, I'll send it your way. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it needs some sound design, because my dad's a really soft-spoken guy. But, um, and there's a lot of noise in the background because my mom is cooking and we, me and all my sisters were there and stuff. But just to hear him talk about like growing up in a system that he, and it didn't even occur to me when he said it like in real time while I was recording. But later when I was listening to it and he was like, yeah, well, we did our best to stay separated from everybody because we didn't want to be a part of the system. We didn't want to be included in the system because the system wasn't made for us. And so us being a part of the system would only be a bad thing, you know? Mm. We would be included only in the sense that we were going to be, like, jailed, booked, <laughs> like, <laughs> like made to be servants in, in this capacity or another, scapegoated. Um, and a, so... Yeah, we, I was listening. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying. And so they... I was so fascinated because it, I always was under the impression that he... Um, grew up in a place where there were like a good amount of white people, but those communities stayed completely separate. They would rather not even see each other because to him and to the people that he knew, mm-hmm. uh, being a part of that only meant that it was going to be trouble because um, because you were go- if any trouble was happening in the town, the first thing they would look at is you. And it's so interesting not because when I was listening to it, it was like, a lot of the values that he was speaking about... Oh, it wasn't values, but a lot of the... I guess, like, um, the uh, the approaches that, like, uh, a lot of black Americans, I guess, had to had to take back then were, like, really, co- like, conservative-driven. Like, there was, like, you know, we st- we wanted limited government. We didn't want anybody to fuck with, fuck with us at all. We wanted to, you know, just keep to ourselves. And it was, it was interesting because, um, obviously, it, it really tells why, like, there was such a... Uh, uh, 
a racially driven Democratic Party, or, or I should say a racist, racist-based Democratic Party back then, and then it just kind of obviously shifted, um, and they switched whenever um, the Civil Rights Movement happened and the Republicans started catering to uh, the Dixiecrats, and obviously now we have what we have now, but it's just really interesting. Like, I, I thought it was such a fascinating listen. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to actually have um, our listeners listen to it as well. Yeah, well, maybe we'll make that just like a special um, episode or something, just release it by itself. But uh, yeah. it's it's fascinating. And, and it's something that I wanted to ask him because I was reading a James Baldwin essay on race and media. And, and I find that, like, you know, in a lot of films and a lot of television, you you got a lot of, like, really idealized ideas about race, you know? Like, there, there are scenes that he talked about where, like, black people would walk outside of their homes and see a cross burning and just be horrified and confused and like terrified. But that was such a regular thing mm-hmm. that like a black person walking outside and seeing a cross burning, it's like, ah, shit. All right. It's time to move. We got to get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah. And like the whole idea of like trying to love your brother and, and love and appeal to white people was not the reality. No. Um, people in the Jim Crow South, like white people didn't like black people and the black people did not like the white people um, because both viewed the other as, as pretty much evil. Like one white people viewed black people as basically animals, like not human. And then um, black people viewed white people as evil oppressors. And so it's like, it's really fascinating actually hearing someone speak honestly about those feelings because um, we don't get a lot of that. We we get a lot of the idealism and what people want us to feel and and want to communicate, but they they don't tell us the truth. And so mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to build a good foundation for a good relationship um, when nobody's telling you the truth about the history and the way yeah. that people yeah. actually felt. Do you think that that's like a threat based thing between the hate between the two and a, I mean obviously a different kind of threat from one to the other? Yeah. But I mean, what do you, I mean? How do you do you think that that plays into it? Like, like the threat of, as in like black people feeling threatened by white people, white people being threatened by black people, but for totally different reasons. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I, I know that there's there's a lot of um, writing and a lot of uh, speeches and mentalities um, where um, a white person will say like, well. The only good, and I'm I'm not gonna you know <laughs> drop the n bomb on our podcast, but um, the only good black person is is a scared and controlled black person. Like we have to keep them scared and controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, and for black people, it's like stay away from them. They hate you, and we'll have you murdered. They will kill you. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll come back here, they'll kill four more people, they'll grab them, lynch them, and burn the whole fucking town down, which yeah. happened. That's often. why I just think it's like really interesting that there is like definitely a threat, like a theme of threat, you know? And yeah. it's like, the, like exactly what you said, it's like, we got to keep them down because, because why? Like, because I think threat, that's you know? I think that's it's the like, real question, too. I, I, and I, I don't think that, I think um, because... Uh, black people have been expected for so long to um, answer those questions and to somehow solve the issue of civil rights, even mm-hmm. though we can't. <laughs> right. um, 
it, the burden's been placed on our shoulders, and and I don't think that that's possible. Right. Um, but it really but isn't. It's not, and we can speculate all day long. Um, just like you know, John, you could speculate all day long about the relationship between um, any race and and you know brown people. Um, but when it really comes down to it, that's a question that people have to ask themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I, if I think that you are a threat, or if I think that you and anybody who looks like you is a threat, why do I feel that way? And, and that's a question that they have to ask themselves, they have to ask each other. Um, and I'm not talking about all white people, I'm just talking about fucking nationalists. <laughs> because when you live in a very small planet that is becoming more globalized every day, regardless of what all of these, like, um, demagogues and, and nationalists are trying to do all over the world, um, we are still becoming a globalized society. More and more people are viewing Hong Kong as the center of, like, the economic center of the planet and, yeah. uh, instead of uh, New, York, New York, which is yeah. fascinating. Um, and I haven't even been to Hong Kong, but when you say like, well, New York, you know, it's the center of everything. They're like, well, you obviously haven't been to Hong Kong. And it's like, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I actually was actually talking to a girl from the Netherlands and she was saying only somebody who has never been to Hong Kong would say that. Mm. But like, you know, there's, there's so much nationalism going on and, and, you know, I think the nationalists need to ask themselves, what are you afraid of? Because nobody's coming here to take your jobs, and everybody knows that nobody's coming here to take your jobs. So, like, what is it that you're scared of losing? What is it? Just change? Is it a yeah, proper it's, thing? It, it's it's change. It's it's is it, all. Is it really? Is it just change though? Because there have been so many changes. It's change. It's a rational fear. Um, it's not liking something that's different. I mean, like, honestly, at this point, like. People will choose comfort over empathy nine out of ten times, especially if they have no exposure to to the world. If they have right. been living in like the same fucking town with the same fucking people that they see every fucking day, nine times out of ten, they enjoy they they pride they prize their comfort so much in their situation that being empathetic means nothing. Like, it means right. little to nothing. They have no fu- nothing to gain from empathy. So, like, a lot of these people who are, like, supposedly not, uh, like, who claim that they're not racist, who, who are, like, standing up and, like, you know, they might, like, not like Trump, but, like, you know, they always, like, they're the first ones to say, why is everything got to be about race? It's because, you know, a lot of these people have not dealt with racism. A lot or, you know, a lot of these people who I mean, let's let's be honest, these are a lot of them are white suburban or white rural people who um have never been affected by racism, uh, who have never really had to even address that issue. So like when it does get brought up, it kind of shakes the realm of their status quo. And they would just rather keep the status quo going because they've been so comfortable in it. And because of that, like anything that has any type of like um to piggyback off of your point, Brandon, anything that threatens that status quo, uh, they are going to antagonize the fuck out of. Right. There's, there's, And also there's really very little reason for them to ever ask themselves that question of like, why am I feeling threatened by this? Yeah. You know, because like, like you said, they're in, you know, they're in the same situation every day. They see the same people, you know, whatever. They're never going to have that moment where they're like, it is important for me to think to myself, 
why do I feel like this? You know, so like that's, I mean, if, if there's like any way to like address that, I feel like that's, that's where it's got to start is to just, there has to be a reason for them to even have that thought, you know, like, cause it just won't happen on the, on its own. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's something that we can explore as a company. Um, well, I think the, the like, reason okay. why, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Don't interrupt me, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was just saying that that could be very fascinating to explore as a company. Just going along the theme that I brought up last week of, of um, progress versus just technology. Like, there may be a way to address this technologically. That could be really fascinating. Um, and just something for us to to keep our minds on. Just exposure to, to different people and different things and um, finding a way to let people know that just because something isn't like you doesn't mean it's scary. Nine times out of ten, it's a good thing. And your life will be enriched and more colorful for it. But until you can learn to embrace that, you're just going to be cut off from it. And you're going to have a very singular and, and one-dimensional lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah it would be cool to get some feedback about that from viewers if we have a setup to, for that. I have no, actually no idea what how we're... Like, I mean, I how we're know. able to get that feedback, but yeah. it'd be cool to get, you know, to hear what people think about. Yeah, uh, find us on of... Twitter. I think it's. Uh, yeah, at f- I think we're actually at Full Metal Work on yeah. Twitter. I don't think at I did full... the Full Metal Workshop because it was just lazy? too long. <laughs> well, I only you only get like 140 characters. <laughs> I could I could cut four off. You know, <laughs> that's also, true. Full Metal Work sounds kind of dope. And also, um, is there like an email that people can email us? Yeah, you can email us at um, yourfriends at fullmetalworkshop.com, I yeah. believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yourfriends at fullmetalworkshop.com. You know, if you guys have any feedback on this, um, please please uh, send it in. Um, what we'll probably end up doing after this, um, the week after this podcast posts, uh, we'll, uh, we'll post uh, Ben's uh, father's... Uh, uh, I guess uh, his uh, his viewpoints and and you know him speaking about his experiences um, the following week, I guess as a placeholder because we do plan on doing this probably every every two weeks like with the three of us actually talking um, bi weekly bi weekly yes um, so we, yeah I mean that's a, I think that's a good idea we can probably fill in um, every other week with like something interesting like that um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we should (laughs) let's not stay on this topic too long. Yeah, Um, if you don't mind, I want to close it out with something really nice. Unless you guys want to add something real quick. No, go ahead. Okay, Ben. Okay, Um, so uh, the next uh, one of the one of the next. This is so fucking stupid that I'm saying this. uh, One of the next white supremacist uh, and neo-Nazi rallies is taking place in Washington D.C. Uh, at the same time, as, oh yeah, <laughs> as a Juggalo rally. Uh, that's so good. That's right, so. John, please, terrible, please explain but... what a what a Juggalo is. Okay, so if you weren't born in the '90s or know of, or sorry, if you weren't uh, there during the '90s, um, there was this uh, uh, horrible concept for a rap duo. All right, called let's, not, let's not. You know, we're not yeah, gonna yeah, talk we're not too here much. To Clown posse. Okay. All right. No, what I was gonna say was it's a horrible concept, but 
They actually make some pretty good music. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a juggle no, myself. They didn't. I they mean, made... we're not going to trash them, but they didn't make good music. But, you know, do your thing, John. Okay. They actually didn't make bad music. They they have a, a few good albums. I'm going to go no, and they, say Wait, that. wait, wait. They did make bad music. <laughs> also did make some music that was not bad. Just to clarify. Just to clarify. <laughs> they did do that intro song for those really weird WWF um, oddities. They're called the oddities. <laughs> the bomb time yeah. alcoholics. The real oddities is what we call it. All right. Anyway, so we um, yeah, they, like. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, juggalos and juggalettes uh, are um, see. <laughs> are, <clears throat> excuse me. Are their very um, fanatical fan base? Uh, they have a festival, I think, every year. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of like the 311 thing where they, like, every March 11th, 311 plays a show. They're, only this is, like, a festival where, like, literally they have, like, people fucking outside and, like, they're drinking and, and shit like that. And I mean, like, hey, if they're having fun, fantastic. Let them do it. But they're also really, like, for the most part, they're really, like, about unity. They fucking hate Nazis. They don't like any of that bullshit. <laughs> and... And so, like, this is, like, you know, if if these white supremacists and neo-Nazi motherfuckers think Antifa's a problem, oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's going to be great to see the ones that have, like, no idea what they are and are just going to think that, like, like somebody's sick to, like, a bunch of, like, I, I don't know. Like crazy naked clowns. On yeah, be like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> like, we're out of here. This is my thing. Why is there a juggalo march? Like, what are they marching for? Be, it's not well, a concert. No, no, no. There's a there's a reason. It's because uh, they are listed, um, I forget in which town, um, or uh, they might just be nationwide, as a dangerous group, like like the same way the Black Panthers were listed a couple of decades ago. Juggalos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they are marching because they feel like that is a, a uh, um, obviously a wrong condemnation. Um, I've never heard know. anything negative about an Insane Clown Posse concert. Like, I've, I mean, I don't hear anything really about Insane Clown Posse <laughs> concerts. But, <laughs> I mean, have you, has, has there ever been like an issue? I mean, there was... No, nothing. I mean, we we really haven't taken to the internet with this one, so okay, like you know, true. we don't know what's out there as far as like uh, condemnation of of juggalos and juggalettes. <laughs> um, but but I mean, for them, I'm sure it's very important. You know, I mean, <laughs> it must be. They're marching. That's true. I mean, I mean, yeah. like, in, it, to them, it's like you know, like why are they like classified as like a dangerous group? Honestly, they're not dangerous people. I mean, they just really, really, really like insane clown posse. I mean, Is I don't think there's dangerous. I don't that's think not, that's, that's not dangerous. But you know, <laughs> it's gonna be really funny when they uh, if uh, they clash or they come into contact with those white supremacists because uh, the juggalos and juggalettes are, n- are not like. I mean, it's not that they're dangerous, but they just don't like people who are hateful. They're just yeah. they're just not down for that. And you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna trigger somebody into actually getting violent, it's like it's not Antifa, it's not BLM, it's the fucking juggalos and juggalettes. Like they're gonna be, <laughs> they're they gonna be. Get, they can't get violent about their rally about how they're not violent. <laughs> now, know, like, now, this I don't, is all I'm gonna say about the subject. I don't condone violence. However, 
if a whole bunch of juggalos beat up a whole bunch of Nazis, I will gladly purchase every insane clown posse <laughs> I've ever made. We will do that. We will absolutely. Like, if there is a, a um, verifiable uh, white supremacist beating by a verifiable juggalo or juggalette, we will, as a company, buy the entire discography of um, ICP. Yeah. Fuck it. I'll do a weekly review of each album. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, and like, Ben, I appreciate you and Brandon taking a very nice, uh, positive stance, but, you know, um, this is me for it's telling the Juggalos and the Juggalettes, look, uh, I'm not going to be marching there, obviously, because I don't like, you know, I'm not like, <laughs> I just don't have any white makeup. I just don't, um, you know, nothing against ICP, you know, it's whatever, you know, it's cool, but like, um, if the, if you, if juggalos and juggalettes, if you guys feel the need to punch a Nazi, punch the fucking Nazi, J- just do it. Just fucking do it. Yep. You know, Captain right. America, right? Yeah. All right. So we got what, like four things to talk about that we sh- should probably breeze through in the next like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so the next few things, like, uh, have you guys, uh, heard any new albums or anything? Um, we actually, all right. So the the one album I will say I won't go too far into it just because we just you know we we got to talk about business stuff. But Vic Mensa, okay. Listen to Vic Mensa. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, his new album is called The Autobiography, um, and I really dig it. It's really good, start to finish. It's extremely entertaining. Um, I like J. Cole, but I find J. Cole a little bit... I don't know. I've always found his music a little bit colorless. Um, it loses me, like, always halfway through the album. And, and I think Big Mensa picks up where he uh, leaves off. Um, he's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of um, color to his music. Um, he raps about all sorts of different things, but all with a lot of fervor and a lot of description. And um, he really brings you into his world in a really really nice way i think this is is this his first major studio album yes um well this is a damn good start um and i really look forward to his career all right so with that being said i'm gonna add a little bit just a just a little bit i feel the exact same way about the album um if you are a uh if you were a, a diehard vic mensa fan or even just a vic mensa fan prior to this album i know you've heard this album and i know you didn't like it um with that said, give it some time, sit with it, be a little open-minded. This dude is a fucking artist. He's not just like a monotone or like one like trick pony of a rapper. He's an artist. Like him and Vince Staples, I feel like are going to be the future of hip hop. Yeah. And um, you know, I like Vince Staples. I didn't really like his album that much and I may need to give it more of a chance. Um, but like normally just standalone Vince Staples stuff I really dig. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been the production on his latest album that I wasn't really into, um, because it was like a, a very um, what semi-industrial kind of EDM type music he was using. Okay, well, Brandon, any albums on your list? I was actually looking. I'm looking right now, and I just like no. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> to be well, honest, like I, we just plugged it last week, but I, I listened to the Lana Del Rey album a good bit this week. Mm-hmm. Really digging that, but um, is it good? I mean, it, it's like it's good. Like 
It's not her debut, but it's still good. For what it is, you know, and yeah. and she has like the the weekend is on a track, and and you know, he's oh, yeah. take off, take off, take <laughs> yeah. off all your clothes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely high. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's good. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I've been listening to the new Tyler album, but otherwise, yeah, I don't. Oh well, then you will be happy and ecstatic to hear about the album that dropped today at 5 p.m. Um, brand new dropped an album. What? Yep. <laughs> brand new dropped an album out of nowhere. I well, saw your status about that. You were saying that like brand new is such a damn good band. Is brand new a really good band? They are a really good band. Yes. Really? The, yeah. Dude, They're you have really Brand new is one of the best bands I have personally ever heard. And I've heard a they're, lot of fucking bands. Yeah, they they're I don't know about I, I don't know if the band has stayed consistent. I actually have no idea, but the the lead dude, whatever his name is, he's He's a killer songwriter. Yeah? yeah. What kind of yeah. music is it? I mean, it's weird because it was like it was around in the emo times. So I mean, but it's like not, when I think about brand new, I think about emo and there like was, yellow card and all that shit. Yeah, no, 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 no. Time, but it's not. It's not like in the same realm. No, but not I at all. Definitely listen to that like immediately after this. After <laughs> yeah. This they're they're calling it like people who are hearing it are calling it the Devil and God Part Two. So like that's how good this mm-hmm. album is. Just like that's. Awesome. That means nothing to me because <laughs> that's I've never heard the first one. Sick Transit Gloria album, right? No, no, the Devil and oh. God with um with Jesus Christ and so right, okay, okay. and yeah, yeah, yeah. That I yeah. think that's probably what their happened best with album. Jesus Christ. Are they a gospel? <laughs> what, what the hell is going on? <laughs> oh man, Ben, you you need to you need to go listen to this band. It's, yeah, they're, they're just they're really good. They're phenomenal. Like all right. I'll check them out. Do you feel like um, I feel like chocolate rain every time I eat these chips? I turn away from the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> eating a bag of salt and vinegar chips right now, and like we're turning away and like eating in corners. Oh, wow. all right. So let's move on to the eclipse then. I guess that's the other thing we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we got about two minutes on that. Go ahead. All right. What do you, What do you think? The eclipse is going to be sweet. It's a full eclipse. It's the first full eclipse in a number of years. I can't really tell you exactly how many. John, if you would look that up on the internet while I'm while I want to say it was when this. we were in in middle school. I think there was a at least like very close to full eclipse. Mm. Okay, I am. I don't know that we have. You guys have no sense of reference for that, but I think yeah. that was like what? <laughs> no, uh, ninety. Anybody? I could. I really middle don't school? know. I have no idea. What year were you in middle school? Do you know what what year you were in middle school? The same years you were in. I know, school. but I can't do the math uh, right now. Ninety eight through ninety. Yeah, I think it was like nineteen ninety eight. I would through two thousand or two thousand and one, something like that. I would be. I'm pretty confident with ninety eight. Can you see if there was an eclipse in nineteen ninety eight? I'm checking right now. Can <laughs> but, you see um, it? For <laughs> for everybody, uh, this coming Monday. Um, You'll be able to see, you'll be able to see the full eclipse uh, through a certain number of states, but for most states, you'll only get to see it partially. So up here in New York, we'll be able to see seventy percent of it, mm-hmm. uh, starting at one twenty-three p.m., and uh, it'll be viewable, I think, for like two hours, two hours and thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The eclipse itself will only last for about so like a few minutes, depend if you're viewing it directly. It'll only be a few minutes, and and so I know on the East Coast, South Carolina is like the best place. I know Tennessee. Tennessee is a good one, yeah. Um, if you're in the Northwest, I know that's a good area, especially like going through Oregon. 
Um, and then it kind of cuts right through the middle of the country. Um, but I think going through Oregon, it's it's like early in the morning. Where are um, you on that, John? Are you? I have, are no, you, I, I have no idea. Um, Meg knows way more about the eclipse than I do. Like she's like hyped up. She's like getting like the glasses and like like what snacks do you want like, during the eclipse? I was like snacks. What are you talking about? Like, having like yeah. a seance. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. And it's like, hey, dude, let's get some chairs. Let me be chairs. What, what is going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never needed chairs to look at the sun before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, for anybody who who does live in New York, I don't. I don't know how widespread Warby Parker is. They're probably everywhere. But um, you can get, from what I hear, you can get Eclipse glasses, I think, for free uh, those at Warby jumped Parker. jumped on that shit real fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So, I mean, Warby yeah. Parker, sponsor how, how much, us, please. How much of an, right? like a massive sale do you think happened? Like from Amazon, from Warby Parker, oh, whatever. Yeah. Just like for this four minutes that you'll get like, to look at this thing. Like and never again. And never like, again. It probably yeah. won't happen again during our lifetime. And are you gonna save those glasses until you know, like twenty seventy five? Pass them on to my grandchildren. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look at the sun with these. <laughs> my grandma got these on Amazon. <laughs> Do you, you ever remember that? that? <laughs> it was before we teleported all of our. <laughs> all right. It's before Amazon and Apple got into the Great War, <laughs> two thousand and twenty eight, and destroyed half the planet. <laughs> All right. Uh, ending. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, I guess if that's the last thing, then maybe we should get into the uh, business side of things. Oh, my God. We finally made it to business. <laughs> Feels good to be here. We only have a few things to talk about with the business stuff um, because we've I think most of our resources and time, I know, especially mine, has been geared towards uh, getting this Kickstarter, not Kickstarter, whew, getting this Patreon started, <laughs> um, like we spoke about last time, getting it all set up and going live with it. So we went live with it. Um, it's been live for like a week and a half, and if I'm going to be completely honest, which is all I can be, it has been very, very difficult. Um <laughs> It's, you know, we had a couple of pledges when we first started. We've sent emails. We've contacted people. I think this kind of reinforces um, the idea that your friends and your fans are, are just not the same group. Um, and so we're still in the process of finding our fans, finding our fan base. And as we find them, like, I, I think they will come to our Patreon and support us, and that'll be a fun community. But right now, we're still sitting at less than $100 um, out of our $1,000 goal. So we are um, doing what we can. We're going to push a little bit more tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some great incentives up. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting learning process and, and experience just kind of having that happen. Definitely very humbling. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think this is, like, actually going to be a really good step in the right direction for it, though, this podcast, because, you know, like, in in theory, this is something that we're going to be doing very regularly, yeah, and, yeah. and that's that's where, like, you know, right now it's, like, for us to say fans versus friends, it's a little tricky because, we you know, we have content out there, but not 
you know, nothing with regularity, regularity yeah. right now. So this, I think, will really be a good, a good step in the right direction. Which, like, you know, if you are in a similar situation and and starting a business, you know, maybe think about doing a podcast. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I, yes, it's, yeah. for Absolutely. us, it seems like it's a pretty cool outlet to get, you know, get get people to be aware of us and to know who we are on sort of a more personal level. So you know. Try it out. We'll let you know how it goes as as it goes. And yeah. um, but in the meantime, you know, give it a shot. Let us know how it's going with you. Yeah, and I mean, stay tuned with this stuff because, um, you know, I spoke to one of the um, fundraising um, VPs at the High Line, and, and I'm going to meet with him to talk about you know social media marketing and fundraising, and I'm going to meet with some other people to have these conversations. And so, if I learn any good tips, which I have no doubt that I will. Um, I'll definitely be happy to share them on on uh, the next podcast that we do. Um, but yeah, just we are going to learn how to work this thing and, and figure it out. And so uh, and stick with point. us. Yeah, you know? it's a, yeah. it's a long term process. So it's I mean a lot of this is going to take a little bit of time to catch on. But the more um, the more that we're going to have pro- uh, con- the more content that we're going to have out, the easier it's going to be for people to. Um, feel like they're investing in something that is actually going to give back to them. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Um, and speaking of that um, regular content and, and being consistent, um, we've decided because, you know, there's so much that we need to complete Kepler's arc, which is, you know, our sci-fi comedy podcast. Um, and there's things that we need to um, get the second version of open story out. Um that one of the things that we wanted to do um, is is kind of do something that didn't um, depend on on resources. It's something that we already had um, and something that we could just move forward with. Um, and that's why we have decided to do this um, this musical podcast. Um, it's called Abani Sadiq Odyssey, and um, it's got some awesome artwork on it that Brandon did. Um, overlaying a photograph that I took when I was out in Montauk. So it's a beautiful cover. Um, it's fantasy-themed because the podcast will be fantasy-themed. Um, Jonah, you're doing the music, uh, which sounds awesome. Um, and you're playing the lead character. Um, oh, so yeah, this is that's right. <laughs> big old acting debut. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. I, I'm not, like, totally versed in, in all these sorts of podcasts. Cop- Podcasts. <laughs> Y'all making podcasts? Podcasts. You guys still listens to. Um, but I haven't heard anything like that, like this out there, um, where it's like a really like a mixture of like music and writing and just uh, it's it's a cool it's a really cool concept and I think it's going to be really you know taken it taken pretty well. Yeah, really cool. excited about it. Um, after the end of this episode, we're going to play um, the preview for you guys. Um, and then afterwards, you can head over to the, uh, the actual page for, or the actual um, podcast page for Abani Sonic Odyssey, which you can search in your whatever podcast app you're using and uh, add that to your queue. That's right. Right, John? They'll, they'll yep. be able to do it, right? Yeah, they'll be able to do it. They'll be able cool. to do it. We'll have it ready. Cool. Did we need to talk about anything else? Business struggles that we've had this this 
go around. Did we talk last time about the publications thing, or should we leave that out? Let's let's um let's talk about. It. You know more about it than I do, but I I mean I feel like that's something that we should at least address yeah. while we're <laughs> while we're figuring it out because I'm baffled by it. Yeah. So there's a. I mean, and we didn't say it last time, and if we did, then we're repeating it and. I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. So, uh, yeah. So there, <laughs> apparently, in New York, there's a there's something that you have to do when you form a new business, which is to uh, put a publication, like a like an ad, essentially, in publications of the choose like the, that the city chooses for you. So um, we actually don't know what that ad is, and um, we managed to let our due date go by because we had no idea that that was a thing that we had to do regardless of the fact that we used um legal zoom which is great they're great but uh we somehow this went on you know under the radar but you have to post an ad in a publication for i think six weeks um which apparently costs like upwards of fifteen hundred dollars i think um so uh we have not done that and we will i guess keep you updated on how things go and hopefully <laughs> yeah. that doesn't involve us losing our llc but if it does you'll know about it yeah um, yeah <laughs> that'll so, be our last episode that'll be our, last episode. <laughs> be our farewell episode. over so yeah um otherwise uh Personally, I just wanted to say that um, managing clients is very important if you if you get into that space. Um, just don't underestimate yourself and uh, make sure that you're you're you know not letting the the client get away from you. Um, I've, I'm going through something right now where uh, I'm dealing with a client that I won't mention because he's great, but you know uh, as clients are they tend to be they he's very difficult, but um, so. You know, just just keep that in mind. Just just make sure to manage your clients well. Uh, don't let them walk over you. And if things, you know, worse gets worse, charge them hourly because you're gonna make it. You're gonna work out better that way. That's yep. all I gotta say. That's a little bit of frustration. Yeah, yeah. Don't let the yeah, clients definitely. Get away from you and and definitely don't let the the material itself um, get away from you because yeah, when we were when we were looking through our legal Zoom, we didn't see any of that information. Um, so I think that if you are getting your LLC through LegalZoom, make sure to look up the specific laws of your state. Um, yeah, they they I think they do include the information to a degree, but they don't consider that part of their responsibility, uh, which would be great if they did, but they don't. So they they kind of leave it up to you once once um, they set up the LLC for you. Yeah. So we're going to have to do a little bit of uh, playing catch-up and figuring that whole thing out. Um, if we're lucky, we won't have to deal with it at all, but we probably will. Um, so, yeah, we will keep you updated on that as well. John, yeah. do you have any uh, updates for us on your side? Um, you know, I'm still actually, uh, um, content-wise, like really working with uh, instrumentals. Um, so I'm just producing and composing a lot for uh, for Abani's uh, Sonic Odyssey. Um, I'm like drenching myself in Steven Universe music, um, <laughs> and and yeah, I mean it's fantastic. Um, it's it's really different than anything I've done before. So it's like it's kind of like 
I kind of feel like what I assume Trent Reznor felt like right before he came out with with Teeth. Um, I don't know if you guys get that reference or not, but no. Okay, so Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> okay, all right. So the Nine Inch Nails album with Teeth, which kind of started the like the kind of dancey. Nine Inch Nails songs. That's true. It's it's one. It must be. I mean, I no, no. It's it, it came out when I was in college. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> it was, well, um, so like basically the kind of dancey kind of thing, like where it sounded like, hey, here's a Michael Jackson beat. Wait, why is Trent Reznor singing over it? Um, sure. So like it kind of it kind of felt like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm in that same mentality, but like or the mindset. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I'm really, really excited for uh, uh, to get a few of these episodes done and out. Um, and uh, hopefully you guys will like it. And hopefully if you guys like it and have the means, you'll support it uh, through Patreon. Yeah, yeah support it through Patreon. Yeah, yeah we're going to look at uh, doing 10 to 15 minute episodes. So you'll have like, you know, uh, a few songs per episode. But also just like a really cool um, fantasy driven story. Um, you would think of it as, you know, your favorite musical meets like Final Fantasy, you know. So we start off in a small village and, and of course the story will increase scope as it goes on and on and more characters will come into it. Um, and, and we're aiming to get the first full episode to you in September. So, um, so yeah, keep your, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. Keep your ears peeled. Yeah, that's what they say. Your ears perked and your eyes peeled? What if their favorite musical is Don't Hamilton? peel anything. Just listen to the podcast. If your favorite like, musical like, is Hamilton, then we will definitely have something for you because John's wheelhouse is hip-hop and R&B. So. Oh, cool. Yes. So it's actually, it is this this podcast is exactly like Hamilton meets Final Fantasy. It, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there will be some, some, some variations in the type of music, but you know what? Hamilton meets Final Fantasy sounds fucking yeah, awesome, sure. so let's run with it. <laughs> cool. All right. So I guess we're going to sign off, but um, but as we head out, just stick around, and uh, right after this, yeah, you will hear our first preview for Abani's Sonic Odyssey. And yeah, without further ado, uh, let's hit it. Abani the fisherman, young and strong, wakes up on a normal day in his home by the river in Melody Village. There's a romance every time the sunrise meets the countryside. I always beat the bells on the rays to greet the day. Down a cup or two of juice, read up on that morning news. While I stop that plop, that drop, that morning deuce. Time to grab the pole, bait and roll. Here we go, river flow. Fish is in tow, then I'm heading home. Meet up with mama, needing up fish patties to sell. I'm heading home for the 
fantasy experience unlike any other, as Abani travels the land of Ode, meeting goddesses, making friends, fighting monsters, and searching day and night for the light that will dispel the darkness in his country. Abani's Sonic Odyssey is coming soon. For more info, follow Full Metal Workshop on social media, or join us on Patreon for more exclusive updates. Color Correspondence was produced by Jonah Q with music also by Jonah Q. This is a Full Metal Workshop podcast. If you like it, please subscribe. For more info on Full Metal, you can visit fullmetalworkshop.com. Find us on Facebook or on Instagram at Full Metal Workshop. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash fullmetalworkshop. 